0: Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorce. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Grab your Bible and, um, and I want to do a, a little message here today. Uh, just going to be a small two-part series uh, today and uh, next week. And the Lord dropped something in my spirit this past week that it took me some time to work on, but... Um, But uh, I've got me some some help here. Now, just in case you're wondering, this is actually Pastor Josh, see? (laughs) No, not really. Not really. Wrong style hat. hat. Yeah, it's got to be one of them hip-hop hats that go like this or something like that. I don't know. And uh, this says, hello, my name is Self. Hello, my name is Self. So here's what I'm going to do today. During my message, I, you know, this message preached to me the whole time I was putting it together. So I thought I would just preach to myself today. Is that okay? And uh, so uh, I, I've got myself going to help me out just a little bit here. Hello, my, my name is Self. And of course, this is my trusty chair. I love this chair. And, uh, and so we're going to be using it. I'm going to be ministering today on the subject entitled War on Rest. War on rest. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 is where we will begin reading. Uh, Right now let's just pray. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to be able to effectively communicate your word. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear, their hearts to, to receive. May our understanding be enlightened. May my words be as the pen of a ready writer. Give me fluency and clarity. Holy Spirit, teach through me. Today we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. What does the scripture say? It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. Now, first of all, in the very beginning of this message, I just want to know, in that very first phrase, does that describe us sometimes? Think about it. What does it say? Labor, heavy laden. Overburdened. How many has ever been there? How many of you have been there? Haven't you? Okay. And he said, Come to me and I will give you rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief and ease, and refreshment and recreation, and blessed, quiet, for your souls. Now, I want to say something about this particular passage of scripture for just a few moments that's going to give you a totally different twist on how you have always viewed this scripture. How many of you know what a yoke is? Okay. It's what you put on an ox, right? Okay. Did you know that there is a different definition for that word? The definition for this word, not only is it that, but it could also mean teachings. Jesus was a fifth level rabbi. That means he went the highest that you can go in his rabbinical education. He was a fifth level rabbi. rabbi. So what he was saying was, take my teachings upon you and learn of me. And then he goes on and he says this, for I am gentle, meek, lowly in heart, and you'll find rest, relief, ease, refreshment, recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls, which is the seat of your mind, and your will, and your emotions. So what he was saying was, I'll teach you things that will be easy for you to receive in your mind that you can apply to your will that will affect your emotions. So, the, so let's go back to the first verse, just a moment, and read it together. Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened and I'll cause you to rest. And then he ties that into let me teach you some things. Let me teach you some things that will lift those burdens. Why do we labor? Why do we labor? It's because we still, even though we know the word of God says it, we still think that our righteousness that that, that we can gain points with God by trying to be righteous. When the Bible said that our righteousness is as filthy rags and that's why it's important for us to understand that when we come to Calvary and access Calvary that we have to be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because we could work from now till the day that we die and still not earn our way, be able to earn our way into heaven. So what, the, what Jesus is saying, there's just some things in your life that you're going to have to turn loose of. There's some things you're going to have to let go there's some things that you're just going to have to cast over on me and let me take care of for you. Take my teachings upon you. Take my yoke upon you. And then and the reason I think it's, it's that definition here is because of the next couple of words. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Learn of me. So he had to be talking about teachings in the contextual analysis of this passage. And then go on, if you would please, to the next uh, verse here. For my yoke, my teachings are wholesome, they're useful, they're good, they're not harsh, they're not hard, they're not sharp, they're not pressing, but they're comfortable, gracious, and pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be borne. So what he's saying is if you'll surrender and receive, then it won't be that difficult on you. So in other words, what he's saying is just rest and receive. Now, let me say this in the very beginning here, all right? One of the most effective tactics that the devil will use against us is exhaustion. It's exhaustion. He'll get you thinking that you've got... Listen, being in the Word and living in the Word and living life by the Word it's totally different than us just sitting there reading the Word all of the time. Listen, you can read the Word all day long, but until you start applying the principles of the Word of God to your life and to your situations, this is not going to do you any good. Okay? Now, here's what the Scripture says here. The Scripture says, If you come to me and you're laboring and are heavy laden overburdened, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to ease and relieve and refresh your souls. And then in the next verse, the soul is what He said that He would teach. The mind, the will, and the emotions. So what Satan will do is he will use exhaustion to defeat us. He'll try to make us think that we have to wear ourselves out fighting the good fight of faith. How do we fight the good fight of faith? The Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold upon eternal life. How do we fight the good fight of faith? Well, the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. The Bible says that we are to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So one of the ways that we fight the good fight of faith, one of the ways that we fight the devil is we cast down imaginations. We walk by Faith and not by sight. That's how we fight the good fight of faith. You don't fight the good fight of faith by going around and punching people in the nose. You're a sinner, get saved. That don't work. That don't work. You don't fight the good fight of faith by getting involved in the political arena and becoming just like they are, hoping you can beat them at their game. You don't fight the good fight of faith by going to your job and trying to act like everybody else and giving in to the manipulation and the control. Did you know that manipulation and control is witchcraft? Did you know that? Did you know that rebellion, the Bible said, is as the sin of witchcraft? You don't fight the good fight of faith by rebelling against authority. You don't fight the good fight of faith by getting involved in manipulation and control. You fight the good fight of faith by warring to stay in love To stay in faith and to be the light that shines in dark places. You know the beautiful thing about light? I used to be afraid of the dark until I found out that the dark is afraid of light. Come on. Come on. I'm going to say that again. That just came out by the Holy Ghost, but it's the truth. I used to be afraid of the dark until I found out that the dark is afraid of light. You show up and the darkness has to disappear. Now, let's continue on here, okay? One of the most effective tactics the devil will use to defeat us is exhaustion. He'll get us to wear ourselves out by fighting. He'll wear us out by convincing us that we have to constantly defend ourselves when the Bible clearly states differently. In fact, there's one place where the Bible said the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. The devil will, will wear us out. For the committed, he'll convince us that we have to work constantly, that's quote, work, unquote, constantly in God's kingdom to stay in good favor with our heavenly Father. But it's not by works of righteousness which we, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of re- regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's scripture. Now here's another thing the enemy will do. The enemy will say, okay, you want to be a Christian, you want to live for God, here's what I'll do, I'll just get you so busy being busy that you lose your relationship with God and thus you become ineffective for the kingdom of God. When we get so busy because we, uh, we will not allow ourselves to rest, when we get so busy, this will cause our spiritual defense mechanism to become weak. And when our spiritual defense mechanism becomes weak, then the enemy gains entrance into our lives. So what's the answer, pastor? What should we do? What's the answer? Well, you need to have a talk with yourself. Hey, self, you think you're all that in a bucket of chicken, don't you? Well, if it wasn't for the chicken and Jesus, you wouldn't be anything. And you're no good, self, wore out, frustrated. You're no good at all, so rest. And so old self needs to say, all right, I believe that's what I'll do. So I'm going to practice what I preach and you all go home now. No, I'm just going to sit here and preach a little bit, okay? Resting is one of the ways that we serve God the best. You are no good to God wore out. Listen to me. You're no good to God wore out. Uh, i got to fix this thing. Let's see. It's been a while since I've been in this chair. Like I said, I had to live what I'm preaching. I want to read this to you. A renowned 12th century rabbi and physician once said, and it's hard to say his name, uh, Maimonides or whatever his name is, if a person sleeps in order to allow his mind to rest and to give rest to his body so that he should not become sick and unable to serve God because of illness, in this case, his very sleep is service to God. You want me to read that again? I, I thought it was so good. If a person sleeps in order to allow his mind to rest and to give rest to his body so that he should not become sick and unable to serve God because of illness, in this case, his very sleep is service to God. Many, many, many years ago, and when I say many years, I'm talking about when I was like 12 or 13 years old. i had been I preached my first message when I was 8 years old, and so I'd done some preaching, you know, just a little preaching in my dad's church and around and you know, out uh, in, a, in a little pavilion that we did in the center of town. I'd grab a microphone and preach when I was a kid out there. We'd have music and stuff and I'd preach in Granby, Missouri. Well, I remember going to a convention when I was about 11 or 12 years old and my dad was speaking at this convention in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, my dad, he was young in the faith. He was young in the Lord. He had been to Bible college for about a year or two years or something. I don't even remember. But anyways, he was not that old in the Lord. And so all of a sudden they want him to speak in a day service at this convention. And he was as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, that's nervous. He was nervous. And I remember, and I remember the leader of that convention walking up to my dad and making this statement, Billy, you have to preach in about three hours, are you ready? Well, I think I am. Yeah. Do you have? Have you studied? Yeah. 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 Okay. Here's what you need to do. You need to go home and take about a two-hour nap. I remember that. I have practiced that. And and you can ask my wife if you know when it comes time before, like the day before I have to minister, or or a couple of hours before I have to minister, leave me the heck alone. I don't want to, I don't want, I I don't want to hear about, I need to rest. I need to rest. And so I thought that was kind of strange because for years I was thinking, you know, I'll study and I'll put things together and and all of these kinds of things. And then what will happen when I feel that there's like a dropping in my spirit when I know that everything's ready and then I'll just find me a place and for about an hour or two or sometimes even the day before if it's been a, a particularly exhausting week, I'll just go into my room, I'll shut the door, and I'll just rest and do nothing. Watch Netflix, something. I mean, I'll just rest. Then I heard Dr. Charles Stanley make the statement about six months ago to ministers. There was a little thing, he was talking to ministers, and some, sometimes, you know, these ministers will send little things to you. And he made this statement. He said, the best thing that you can do right before you preach... Is for about two hours. Just go to sleep. Just rest. You know what happens when you rest? All of this stuff. Now I'm talking about guys. I, I, I would not even act like I understood what happened with the ladies. But because they're set different than we are mentally. And that's a, that's, that's a compliment because they can do 1,400 things at one time and we can do one thing at a time and do it well. But what we have to do is we have to rest. And what happens is all of that stuff that we've studied and put together, it just all starts coming together. And when you open up, it just click, 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 click when you open up your eyes. Satan wants to keep you in chaos. Satan wants to keep you frustrated. Satan wants to keep these things. Listen, when we rest, we're taking care of God's dwelling place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 16 The Bible calls us God's temple. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Who's the temple of the living God? We are. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, you are. Come on, shout it to them. You are. I want them to get it. You are. Yeah, God dwells in you. You are the dwelling place of God. You are the temple of a living God. As God has said, I'll dwell in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. And if God decides he wants to get up and take a walk, I don't want myself, my physical body, to be so exhausted that I can't be of use to God. So here's what the Bible says. When we are taking care of God's dwelling place, then He becomes our God and He sets up inside of us, He dwells in us, and He walks inside of us. If we eat so that we have energy to serve God, then our eating is service to God. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord wants some chocolate cake right about now. Thank you, Jesus. No, but when we think about that, we start paying attention to how we eat because we realize that we're the dwelling place of God. We're the temple of God. If we rest so that we can serve God with joy and enthusiasm and strength, then resting can become service to God. So listen to me, men. Listen very closely. The next time your wife messes with you for setting in that lazy boy, and watching Sunday afternoon football, you just look at her and say, I'm serving the Lord right now. Can you bring me some chips, baby? Would you help me? Where's Caleb? Make me a sandwich. Make me a sandwich. All right. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Self, when you rest, you are demonstrating your faith in God. Hello, self. Are you busy trying to do for God what God's already done for you? Come on, come on. So many times we get so busy trying to help God out. Don't we? Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. In the book of Genesis, we have the story of where Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah's 90 years old and God comes to Abraham and says, and they're barren, Sarah's barren and Abraham doesn't have any sons or daughters and neither does Sarah. And so so he comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to make your seed as the sands of the sea and as the stars of heaven. Abraham looks in the mirror and says, okay, he looks in the tent and sees 90-year-old Sarah and says, okay. And so then he tells Sarah and Sarah goes, ha, 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 ha me pregnant. So Sarah decides, you know what? This man is running around here and he thinks he's a man of God and all of this and he's heard from God that his seed's going to be as the sands of the sea and the stars of heaven and my body is dead. I mean, my goodness, has has he not considered my body that's dead being 90 years old and Abraham's 100 years old and all that So, You know what I think we're going to do? I think we're just going to try to help God out. And so she fixes it up for Abraham to have an affair with her maid, Hagar. And that's where Ishmael came from. And then later on, God was true to his promise and all of a sudden, can you imagine a 90-year-old lady walking around with a baby bump? Isn't that amazing? Abraham, there's something going on in my body. I don't know what it is, but there's something. Well, what do you mean? Well, my stomach just, I can't lose this weight. My stomach, and then I was like, oh, something just hit me. No, that baby just kicked you. Wake up. This is the promise of God. The promise of God that's inside of you. And so, so we see that God is true to His promise and we've got to be very careful that we don't try to help God out. So sometimes we have to look at ourself and we have to say, you need to quit trying to help God out and you need to just trust God and you need to just believe God and live your life in line with His Word. Come on, there's a lot of people get themselves in trouble because God tells them something and then they don't want to wait on God's timing and they don't want to go through God's process and they're not interested in being trained. They're not interested in sitting under a mentor. They're not interested in any of those things. Bless God, God said it and I'm going to go do it. Well, get rid of your old arrogant self. Sit down and let somebody teach you something about something. All right, hallelujah. That's for all you preparing for ministry. So when we rest, we demonstrate our faith in God. Many people become workaholics because they think that if they stop working, then the promise of God cannot come to pass in their life. Do you really think that God is that weak? Think about this, okay? When we rest, we rest, we realize that God is the one that's in control. This is service to God. Some people... Think they can't rest because they're afraid of what will happen. God sent me to be a watchman. So I'm going to watch day and night, day and night, day and night. No rest for the weary and the righteous don't need any. Praise God. I'll just walk in His strength. Aren't you super spirit? Oh my goodness. Listen, Job chapter 3 and verse number 26 was the richest man in the east. He had the blessing of God all over his life. Lost it all. Later on in chapter 42, God gave it all back to him twice as much. But in Job chapter 3 and verse number 26, he said this, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble still came. And then you go on later in that chapter and he said, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. The reason that Job went through what he went through was because he was getting up early in the morning offering sacrifices because he was afraid that something was going to come and destroy his family and destroy his wealth. And the thing that he feared the most came upon him. The reason Job went through what he was going through was because he fed his fear. He fed his fear. He didn't rely upon God. He didn't trust in God. His faith was in his activity. His faith was more in faith than it was in God. His faith was more in the process than it was in God. So it's better to just trust God. You know what? I don't have to have all the answers. I want all the answers, but I don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You may want them, but you don't have to have all. All of the answers. So now let's talk about the God kind of rest. The God kind of rest is this. To rest is to be free from whatever worries us. It's to cease from work with the idea of release from anxiety, worry, and insecurity. I'm not talking about quitting your job. I'm talking about quitting worrying about everything all the time. I'm talking about, you know, quit overworking your mind with the what ifs. Well, what if I get cancer and die? What if you don't get cancer and die? Well, what if this happens? Well, what if it don't? I just don't know. I just don't know why they feel like they feel about me. Well, maybe they don't feel like you think they feel about you at all. Maybe the devil has been busy busy in the workshop of your mind and created all kinds of nonsense going on over and over. Because see, here's what the devil does. He'll plant one seed and then all he's got to do is hit one button. Repeat, 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 repeat. And before you know it, you are fixated. And the enemy just messes with your head. Listen, here's what the Lord says. The Lord says we just need to release ourselves from all that anxiety. Release ourselves from all of that worry. Release ourselves from that. To rest is to be free from whatever worries about us. Let me tell you something. I don't mean this in an arrogant way whatsoever, but I experienced a freedom a really long time ago. You know what? I love you more than life, but I'm not going to sit around wondering what you think about me. You know, it's not because I don't love you. It's not because I don't care. The fact that I'm not going to sit around wondering what you think about me is because I love you. And sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, well, this and that and this and that. And I'll say, well, you know, they probably had a bad day or they probably didn't mean it the way you took it. or they." All the, and, and people will look at me sometimes, are you blind? No, I'm not blind. I'm just not buying into the nonsense. Don't have time for that. Come on. You guys need to rest from those things. Quit worrying. And sometimes you just got to look at yourself and you got to say, you know what? What the devil's been whispering in here that's developing inside of here. It really, really, really not what's going on so you need to put a lid on it. You need to put a cap on it. You need to fill your head full of the Word of God and just, just all of a sudden, and you know, whatever comes inside of here is what will affect what's in here and that eventually is what comes out of here. So you got to talk to yourself and you got to say you know what you, you've, you've been I mean you have worked so hard my goodness you've worked you're falling apart man <laughs> <laughs> this happened to you didn't it Roger this week he fell out of an airplane and broke his arm look at that oh. while he was working my goodness somebody come up here and help me come on you just put it back up in there and it'll just rehook. Okay. All right. Rest is freedom from toil and strain in order to relax or recover. To rest. Now listen to me. To rest means to lie down, to be settled, to be fixed and secure. In other words, there's no running around in frustration when we're really resting. Now, I know <laughs> that we like to watch westerns every now and then. How many like a good western every now and then? I don't want a steady diet of it, but I do like a good western every now and then. And it seems like every good Western is not a complete Western unless somebody gets killed and there's some preacher standing over top of a grave somewhere <laughs> reciting Psalms 23. Did you know that Psalms 23 is a prosperity psalm? Why do we read it over our graves? Let's just go through it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why would we say that over somebody's grave? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. They've run their race. You know, all their wanting is over now. I mean, they're hopefully in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords in the city where the Lamb is the light and all of this kind of stuff. And we're sitting there saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he makes me lie down in green pastures. That's a grave. That's not... See, sometimes you just got to talk to yourself. You got to say, man, you've been taught a whole lot of junk, and you need to chunk the junk so you can get on with God's program, boy. (laughs) Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still waters. Woo, hallelujah. That sounds like prosperity to me. I think if I just let the Lord lead me, that He'll lead me to a place where I can eat when I need to eat and He'll put me down there where there's cool crystal water and dig a place out where it's nice and easy for me to drink. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means he's my lead. He, he's my guide. He's the one that corrects me. He's the one that takes care of me. And the Bible says here, he'll cause me to lie down in green pastures. He'll lead me to beside the still waters. And then he restores my soul. you dead. Why do you want your soul restored? Why do we say that to them? He'll restore your soul, dead man. Makes no sense. Think about it. Think about it. Works good in the westerns. But it makes no sense. The actor will resurrect. But he restores my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. That means when the devil messes with my mind, when the devil messes with my head, he'll restore my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Why? Because He made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He stamped His name upon me. Name means authority. Therefore, I walk in His authority and I'm carrying His name and I'm carrying His influence and I'm carrying His authority and so He branded me and i got to make sure I represent. Make sure I represent. Okay. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not the valley of death. The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Woo, go right ahead. Have your little time on Facebook. Go right ahead. Tear me apart. Glory to God. Woo. Jesus. What are you doing? They're out there trying to tear me apart and I'm just soaking. Yeah. He's put a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's anointed my head with oil and my cup is running over. Whoa, now, surely, not maybe, but surely, not maybe in the past, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Dead man. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So sometimes you got to have a talk with yourself. And you got to say to yourself, Have you been taught religion? Come on. Are you all still with me? Come on. This this good stuff. Have you, have you been taught religion? Do you feel like your life is full of a bunch of rules and regulations and and hey self, hey self, you know, I mean, do you not part your hair on one side because they tell you that that's the side that the women part their hair on? So you've got to part your hair on the other side because you want to make sure that you're (coughs) religious. I love my mama and daddy so much. I love them more than life itself. And my daddy loved God so much but he was not taught in the Word. He tried to get taught in the Word, but he wasn't taught in the Word. And when he was growing up, there were some things that people told him was in the Bible that he grabbed onto, and he tried to live those things, and he tried to make us live those things. And it wasn't because he hated us, and it wasn't because he was trying to be mean. It was because he loved God so much that he didn't want to do anything to offend God. The problem is, is he was being taught religion. And so, rather than living in the liberty wherewith Christ set us free, we were living in bondage. For those of you that uh, will understand what I'm saying, I grew up in really old time Pentecost. The women couldn't wear makeup, they couldn't wear jewelry, they couldn't cut their hair, they couldn't wear pants. They could, the men couldn't wear short-sleeved shirts and we, and, and, and we couldn't wear shorts and, and our hair couldn't touch our ears and it couldn't touch our collar and all of these kinds of things. And All of it was because there was a little scripture here and a little scripture there and they were taking all of these scriptures and mincing them and dicing them and putting them together, making them say things that were totally, completely, uh, completely out of context. And so when I would go to my friends and say, why don't you come to church with, church with me? They'd look at me and say, I don't think so. There came a time in my life when I had to say, self, you love mama and daddy, don't you? And by the way, mama and daddy's not in that anymore, praise the Lord. But there came a time when I had to say, self, you're old enough to think for yourself. So you need to get in the Word and find out where the Bible says that this is wrong. I'll give you one example. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. I know I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) In the book of Timothy, they would take this scripture where the Bible says that in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefaces and sobriety, not with broidered hair, gold, or pearl, or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. And they would get out of that scripture that you can't cut your hair, shaven or shorn, you can't cut your hair. Heard one lady preach against shaving her legs. Nasty. <laughs> can't wear makeup because the Bible says shamefacedness and all of these kinds of things. And so I would come up with questions where you guys rattle that scripture off, but you forget the very first phrase where the Bible said, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. So if they can't wear makeup and they can't wear jewelry, I told you I'm going to get in trouble. If they can't wear makeup and they can't wear jewelry and they can't cut their hair, then according to the very first phrase, they can't wear clothes either. So why are you wearing clothes? Well, that, this is an example. In like manner also that women adorn themselves. And, and so, so this is an example. They would take these things and they would twist. And there comes a time in your life when you have to say, "Self." he set you free. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There is therefore now a rest for the people of God. We have the the duty, we have the stewardship responsibility to rest from religion. We don't need to live in religion. We need to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you that you don't need to have standards and I'm not telling you that you don't need to live a holy life. Listen, I dance all I want to in the nightclubs. I just don't want to go there. I drink all I want to. I just don't want to drink. why? Because I just my relationship with God is such that I just don't want to do those things. I, I, I don't want to do those things. and so so you can build your relationship with God in such a way where you won't want to do those things. Rest means to be settled down. it means to fix to be to be secure. So the next time you read Psalms 23, read it right. Read it right. Don't let let it get mixed up, okay? During the days of the judges, the Lord was said to rest on different occasions in Judges 3.11 and Judges 8.28. The word used here means to be still, inactive, or undisturbed, to be in a state of tranquility, and it has the idea of being a time of safety and security. Now, I want to give you some scriptures on rest, okay? Rest can free you from anxiety. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Here's what the Bible says. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Wait a minute, self. I want you to see this. <laughs> All right. Continue to make your wants known to God. Now let's go to the next, the next verse, number seven. Come on. And God's peace shall be yours, That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and soul fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. So sometimes we just need to look at ourselves and we just need to say, Dude, oh dude, you need to chill. Come here. Chill out. Man, he looks stiff. Wow. Chill out, dude. I don't think I can help him any. Oh, good luck. Sweet Jesus chill just that's right and this is the problem we have. We, we can't ever we can't ever do this hmm? alright now just let me continue on here okay now look just chill out cause cause God will give you rest in troubled times Nahum chapter 1 in verse number 7 Here's what the Word says. The Lord is good. Woo! The Lord is good. That's good. That's good right there. My, ooh, hallelujah. I could just stop right there and just say, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's a refuge in the times of trouble and He cares for those who trust in Him. God will give rest to those who put their trust in Him. He will. In Nahum chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible is telling that that God will give rest. Now Assyria had turned their back on God and the book of Nahum is about Nineveh being defeated and because the king of Assyria had turned their back on God, God went ahead and defeated Nineveh but those that trusted God found rest. Now, he'll minister rest to you in the midst of a storm-tossed life. Matthew chapter 8, 23 27, we find where Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat and He awakes and calms the storm. Jesus encouraged the disciples to separate. Now listen very closely. Jesus encouraged the disciples to separate themselves from those they were ministering to for a time of leisure and rest. There comes a time when you need to tell your friends to go home. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Well, I'm afraid of how they'll feel about me. I want them to continue being my friend. If something like that is going to offend them that quickly, they're not your friend to begin with. They're just a user, baby. They're coming over to your house, filling your head full of stuff, drinking up all your bottled water and eating up all your food and calling yourself, calling themselves a friend. There comes a time when you need to tell your friends, I need some time with my family. I need some alone time. I need some time like that. Jesus encouraged the disciples to separate themselves. I learned a long time ago that small many vacations will keep me sane enough to keep pastoring. We have a little thing in our family. We haven't done it in a while. It's called a 24-hour vacation. When the kids were growing up, they're all grown up now, but when the kids were growing up, I used to come home on a Friday or something like that and they would come home from school and we'd pick them up in the car and we'd just take off and they'd say, where are we going? We'd say 24-hour vacation. They'd say, yes! And what that meant was, we're going to another town somewhere close by. We're going to spend the night somewhere over there. We're going to take them out to eat. We're probably going to get them an outfit or something like that. We're going to find something to do the next day and within 24 four hours, we'll be back home. doesn't cost a whole lot to do that, especially when you look at what it'll cost you if you don't do that. I learned a long time ago that three days can make all the difference in the world of whether I want to resign my church or not. Let me tell you something. I love every one of you, but some of you are rascals. (laughs) Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32. The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus. They told him all things, both both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure, not so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship. Privately, Everybody that is training for ministry, open your ears and if you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to what I'm getting ready to say. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Listen to me. Ministry can be stressful. Because ministry is about people. And there are no perfect people. Not even you. Okay? And if we don't allow ourselves to rest, we will begin making irreparable mistakes. Lose the Messiah complex. You're not Jesus. I said, you're not Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. One lady looked at me one day and she had been... A rascal And she said well what would Jesus do I said honey I ain't Jesus <laughs> Now probably what he would do He's already done he, he died on Calvary for you But you know what this world Don't need another man on the cross So if you want to find a pastor That'll go get himself crucified for you That'll crucify himself for you Go down the street I'm not Jesus Hello Sometimes you have to have those hard conversations. Sometimes you have to. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to those that are, that are training for ministry for just a few moments here, okay? Because we've got about 24 of them in here that's in the class. I want you to understand something. The enemy can get loud and boisterous. And they always use words like, well, they or them. And usually they, I found out they or them is usually two or three. Okay? And when a wolf pops its head up, instead of trying to calm the wolf down, you need to start looking at the sheep that wolf will destroy. and stand up and be the shepherd of the sheep that protects them from the lion and the bear and the wolf. Being in ministry isn't all about making people feel good. Being in ministry is telling them what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear. And it's about guiding and leading and loving and praying and structuring and organizing and more than anything else getting as many people to heaven as you possibly can. Amen. Hallelujah. Ministry can be stressful but if, we don't, but, but if we don't allow ourselves to rest we'll begin making irreparable mistakes. So one last scripture and then we'll be through. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 6 I want to talk to you about the value of rest. Better? I love this scripture. Some of you should take this scripture and just print it out and hang it all over your house. Better is a handful with quietness than both hands full with with travail and vexation of spirit. Hello. Better is a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. When I ran across that scripture years ago, it set me free. Because if there's one thing I've learned I've been in the ministry for 40 years And if there's one thing I've learned Is that people come And people go Some come quietly And leave quietly Some come and leave loudly But what I've learned A long time ago Is better Is a handful with quietness Than a whole bunch That'll bring travail and vexation of spirit. Some of you folks have got people in your lives. Listen, I'm talking about where we live. You've got people in your lives that you call friends that do nothing but bring you travail and vexation of spirit. Cut the cord. Cut the cord. You go around one time. You go through life one time. What do you want to spend five years of your life Trying to feed somebody who, and, and trying to, to, to make sure that somebody's not upset and, and not, oh, you know, that's no way. rest. You don't say, This is me. If you want to be in my circle, that's fine. You come right on in here. But the minute you start drama, I'm kicking you out. You're not in my family circle, you start drama. You get in my family circle. Uh, There's room for many friends inside of my family circle. But you get friends inside of our family circle and they start creating trouble, out, buddy, out of here. I thought you was a pastor. Right now I'm a daddy. (laughs) And I'm a husband. And this is not the church. This is my family. So if we need to go take the ordination bishop thing off the wall and put it in the trash can for a few minutes, we can. I'll take care of this problem. But uh, we, You see, you've got you to gotta protect yourself. You've got to rest. You have to protect yourself. If you don't, when you rest, you'll end up looking like this. <laughs> so, here's what I want us to do today. Here's what I feel like the Lord wants us to do today. So I want us to have a talk. Have a talk with yourself. For the rest of the day, I want you to think about what pastor has taught you. And I want you to find a place alone and have a little talk with yourself. And I want you to ask yourself some really, really tough questions. Do I have a Messiah complex? Do I think I have to do everything all by myself? That's number one. That's number one. Okay? Number two, Am I allowing people to have access to me who vex me, who drain me dry? Every now and then we'll have a little conversation in the office. I'll make a statement like this. I'll say there are some people that God brings along to be a blessing to the church, but then there are other people that the enemy brings along to just drain you dry. And we have to be discerning enough to know the difference. We have to. If we don't, you'll live frustrated. And the third thing that I want to ask you is this, that you need to ask yourself, am I enjoying life? And if not, why? If not, why? God didn't create you to be miserable. He didn't create me to be miserable. We're not supposed to walk around in fear that if the trumpet sounds right now I won't go to heaven. No, we're supposed to just live for the Lord. We're not supposed to walk around being afraid all the time of what people think about us and how they look at us. No, no, we we need freedom from that. And then here's the fourth thing that I want you to ask yourself. Is my conduct conducive to true Christianity. Because if you wear His name, you have to represent. You hear Him, Pastor? If you wear His name, you got to represent. And then the last thing I want you to ask yourself is this. Five questions. The last thing I want you to ask yourself is this. How can I work more rest into my life. Something to think about it. The, the enemy wants to keep you exhausted. He wants to keep you wore out. He wants to incapacitate you. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4 and that's the number for Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida 34669. Or you may call us at 727 856 1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the word will work if you work the word.